Hey, good to see you guys this morning. There's, man, we got kind of a full house today. This is good. I, preachers love to preach the full rooms. It's just how we are. So here's what that means. Um, probably going to go long. Uh, so I hope y'all are settled in. The bro- Pack the lunch, all right? If all of y'all are going to show up on a Sunday, that's going to get me all jacked up. Probably going to preach till about 2. All right, so um, we've got some biscuits that we gave the volunteers. We'll do the loaves and fishes thing. Like, we'll, I don't know, whatever. Just kidding. I'll try to keep it short. But I don't want to keep it so short that we miss the opportunity that, that we have today to, to continue in this series and to get all that it is that, that we believe that God has for each of us today. Now, uh, I guess I should introduce myself for those of you who don't know me. My name is Brian. I'm the, the teaching pastor here. I get an opportunity most weeks to get up here. And, um, and I just we open the Bible. We look at what it is that God has to say and what he wants to teach and lead each and every one of us in to. And so what we've been doing for the last several weeks is we've been in this series called Chasing Daylight. And this series has been all about the, the, the call on the life of the believer to seize the moments that God lays out in front of us. And what we've said for the last several weeks is that oftentimes these divine moments, the moments that change everything for us, where where God interacts with his people in such a way that their life from that moment and for the rest of their existence will never be the same because of that moment. And we define those as divine moments where God impacts and changes you in a way that leaves you different for the rest of your life. That those divine moments, that we have a choice to live our lives in a way where we're going to be aware that those divine moments are available to us. And we have to live with this awareness because as we've, again, talked about in the last several weeks, oftentimes these divine, life-changing, perception-altering moments are wrapped inside of moments that look ordinary or mundane. And so if we are going to lay claim to and seize these divine moments, we have to live in such a way that we are always looking for, trying to take advantage of, trying to be Christ and be the kingdom in every moment so that we don't miss the opportunity for God to reveal or do something incredible in our lives that will leave us different for the rest of our existence. We've also said... That if we're not careful, if we're not aware, if we don't live our lives with this awareness, what, what, what could happen is these divine moments that God has for us, that we could miss them. Or, or worse, God could give them to somebody else. And we said that oftentimes when, when God calls a believer to do something, if they refuse or if there's something in their life that, that clouds their ability to see the divine wrapped inside of the mundane, that that opportunity will, will pass them by. But God's will is going to be accomplished. We know that. God is going to do what God is going to do. And so if he has something that he wants to be accomplished and he gives us the opportunity but we miss it, he'll give it to somebody else. And that's exactly what we've seen in the story of Jonathan that we've been walking through for the last several weeks together. King Saul, God gave Saul a promise that he was going to be able to lead the nation of Israel in a, in a tremendous victory over the, this, these, these Philistines. And 
Uh, Saul gets scared because the Philistine army is bigger, and so he and his army goes and hides in a cave, and then Jonathan does something crazy. And we'll talk about that in just a, a little bit, about the crazy thing that Jonathan did, taking on about 30 men all by himself. And we'll, we'll reveal a little bit more of that story today. But before we get into any of that, I want to want to kind of set up our time today. See if we can see if we can find some agreement among all of us, something that we can all agree on. So this week, uh, this Thursday, my my connect group we meet on Thursdays, and I was telling my connect group this week that one of the things that that I struggle with is is my temper. I I get angry sometimes, and then uh, one of our group members. And there wasn't, there wasn't, you know, another couple, another people, couple people in the group say, "Yeah, me too. I struggle with my temper too." And so we're kind of working through all this together because that's what we do in connect groups. We work through stuff together. If you're not in a connect group and working through stuff together, there's a commercial. Get in a connect group. All right, so we're we're in a connect group and and we're kind of working through some issues. In my little personal counseling session, right? And so somebody asked, "Well, you know, hey, Brian, what what are some of the things that trigger you? What are some of the things that really set you off?" And I gave them a list. But they're my connect group, so they know the list. You're not, all of you aren't in my connect group, and that's stuff that happens in a connect group because they're exclusive and awesome, and if you're not in one, you should be in a connect group. Right, so there's commercial number two. All right, so, so I, I won't give you the whole list because that was for my group. They know me more than a lot of you know me because they're my connect group, and that's how they're supposed to work. But one of the things, one of the things that really sets my temper off is bad drivers. So, so, so if we can find some common ground, let's do it this way. Anybody other than me ever been in a hurry when you're driving and, and then you pull up to a, to a, like a stoplight, traffic light, and you're second in line? So you can see the light clearly. It's right there. Like, I can see it. And it's red. And I'm like, come on. Like, I've already got my foot on the gas and on the brake, like, just waiting. And then it turns green. And nothing happens. And the car in front of you is in, you know, makeup or, you know, Facebook or swatting the kids in the backseat or whatever, right? And you hit the horn, you know, gently at first. You just, hey, just like a, hey, you know, just kind of like a, hey, you know, one of those, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like just a, hey. Because uh, they don't put real horns in cars anymore, so it sounds like a little squeeze thing on a bicycle. Hey, you know, it's like, hey, green, green light, it's green. And then they still don't move. And so you, so you give them the hank, like, hey, right? And then they're like, oh, yeah, finally. And then they go, and then it turns yellow, and, like, you got to stop. Anybody other than me ever had that situation happen to you? All right, is there a greater moment of frustration on this planet as a human than that moment right there? Is there anything greater than that? Is there any moment where you want to punch somebody in the throat more than any other moment in your, like, that's it. That is the moment. I can't think of a moment that makes me more angry and frustrated than that moment right there. Like, I'm in a hurry. You weren't paying attention, and now you've made me even more late. I, I kind of went there in my, in my mind for a minute. All right, so, so let, me, let me get collected. Hey, you, you felt that, right? Have you felt that frustration? Let me ask you this question. Do you think maybe as our Heavenly Father looks at His children, His 
people, his kingdom. And he's given us this great mission to go into the world and to share the good news of how much he loves people, so much, in fact, that he was willing to give his son to die for people so that they could be in a relationship with him and they could experience life abundantly in the here and now and the promise of forever later. And we've got this great mission and all this stuff, and there's so many lost people who don't know that story yet and don't know that message yet. And here we are, the, the, the banner carriers, the message carriers of this thing that we call the gospel, the good news of a God who loves and a Jesus who saves. And that we should have this sense of, of urgency and awareness and paying attention and just can't wait for the light to turn green. And here we sit, stuck at the light, and God's going, hang, hang, like, go, go, just go do something already. Maybe God relates to you differently than he relates to me, but that's kind of how I envision God looking at me sometimes. Like, he's all this stuff that he wants me to do, all these things that I could be doing, and I'm stuck in my own little bubble of comfort and weight and timidness and all this stuff, and God's going, would you just go already? Maybe that's not how God, I don't know if that's what God's thinking or not, but in my, that's how God and I, that's how we get down. So, so as we've been looking at this, this story of, of Jonathan, we're trying to figure out this, how can we make our lives align more with the mentality of the hero of our story, Jonathan, who staring at this, this promise of God, God had promised the nation of Israel victory. He had promised it. You go and I'll give the victory. Like, just get after it. And Saul in his his humanness. We can't even, as we read it, we can't even really blame Saul, can we? I mean, he's got 600 men against 30,000 plus. And we get that. Nobody likes those odds. But what we've been trying to figure out is how can we make our lives look more like Jonathan who said, odds, who cares? I got God. And me and God against anything can do anything. So how do we begin to adopt the same mentality that Jonathan had of just go, just go and see what God does. But that's not exactly how you and I live our lives. So here's what I want to do. Let's, 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 take a, let's catch back up on the story for, as a reminder for those of us that have been here and for some of you that, that haven't been. Um, just know, like I told you earlier, Saul and, and the rest of the army, they're held up in a cave kind of hiding because they're scared. Jonathan takes his armor bearer, one other guy, and he goes over to attack a garrison of the Philistine army. We most scholars believe this is probably about 20 or 30 men. So you've got one armed man and his servant who carries his armor against 30 armed warriors. And Jonathan reveals his plan to the armor bearer. He says, hey, we're going to go over there, and this is what we're going to do. It's 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 9. If they say to us, so we're going to go, go show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place. And we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistines, to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, 
Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. So come up here, we'll teach you a lesson. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. And then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and the armor bearer killed them after him. So in this very small picture of Jonathan's life that we get, what we see is that the death sentence for Jonathan is a weight. That if they tell us to wait, if we have to wait, if we have to just stay here, like we're done. But hey, we gave it our best shot. We trusted God, we stepped out, but if they tell us to wait, we're done. But here's going to be the sign to us. Here's how we're going to know if God is going to give us victory this day. If they tell us to come up to them, that's how we're going to know that God is with us. And so when they say, hey, come on up here and we'll show you a thing. We talked about that last week. Hey, come up here and we'll show you a thing. Jonathan's like, oh, this is on. God is with us. We're about to lay down some Philistine butt. Like we get rid of, we're going to whoop up on some Philistines. God is with us. The, the last thing Jonathan wanted to hear in this scenario was wait. So, so I kind of had this thought this week as I was looking at this, and we've been reading through this book called Chasing Daylight Together uh, by Pastor Erwin McManus, or he used to be a pastor, now he's an author more than anything. And, and as he laid out in, in, in his book this week, as I was reading through it and then kind of processing this in, in my head, I, I asked myself this question, how many of us Would wait be the theme song of your life? I'll just wait. I'll I'll just stay right here and we'll see what God does with me in my, in neutral, right? This is what I've come to realize about my life. Maybe maybe it's true for your life. I I can only speak for me. Here's, Here's what I've come to notice as it pertains to hearing, listening, and being obedient to God. It is so much easier to hear God say no than to hear God say yes. Is that true for you? That's true for me. I hear no like that. I'll pray for weeks. Like, I'll hear God. I'll think I hear God say yes. I'll pray for another three weeks to make sure God said yes. But God may call me into something great if I hear even the hint of a no. Oh, that was a no. That's definitely a no. So much easier for our life or for our relationship with God, for us to hear God say no than to hear him say yes. Erwin McManus said it like this in the book. He said, much of our religious language, language, I mean, I can't talk this morning. Much of our religious language has been focused on the don'ts rather than the do's. In the same way, we act as if the primary word from God is Stop when it is actually go. For Jonathan, his mentality, though, was not stop until God tells me to go do something. Jonathan's mentality was I'm going to keep going until I hear God say no. You see the difference? 
here's how I like to, here's how I've typically lived my life. And this book is challenging me. I hope that, that the book and this series is challenging you also. But here's, here's something I was challenged to think about this week. How many times do I stand still and wait for God to push me into something instead of just continuing to do the things that I know God wants me to do and wait for him to tell me to stop? And so I, I, had, uh, I had this the main thought for the message written down a different way. And then this morning I was in the shower. That's where God speaks to me the best. I don't know if that's true for you or not. Maybe it's something about the, the nakedness and I don't know mental pictures. I'm sorry, but like the, the vulnerability of, of the shower is like where I feel most connected to God. And so I was praying through and thinking about the message today. So this morning in the shower, um, God gave, uh, God gave me it, I figured out whether it was God in me or whatever. There's a better way to say it um, that rhymes. Um, and so I'm typically, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of like alliterated points in a sermon or, or things that rhyme. But what I've come to learn is sometimes when things rhyme and sometimes even when they're cheesy, uh, we remember them a little bit better. All right, so y'all are going to love this. All right, I, I hope that you love it as much as I did when I got out of the shower and wrote it down. So here it is, ready? Main thought for today, here it is. Go until you get a no instead of stressing for a yes. Y'all like that? Yeah, let's give it a little love for the Holy Spirit, giving Pastor Brian a different way to say the point. All right, good. All right. <laughs> Go until you get a no. How, how different is that for us? How different is that from how you typically live your life? I don't, I don't want to move past this. I had, I had all this content that I wanted to preach today, but, but I, don't want to, I don't want to move past this too soon. Because I, to, I want us to live here for a minute. Because I see a propensity in, uh, in the church, not this church, the church, big C, global church. There's this propensity in the church. And that you hear it in language all the time. If you ever talk to any church people, you hear it. Oh, Pastor Brian, I just, I'm just waiting to see what God's will is. Pastor Brian, I'm just waiting to see what it is that I believe God wants me to do. And that sounds so spiritual. And maybe it is. But here's the question I'm going to start. It's just know, if you come into the office and ask that question, Pastor Brian, Pastor Quentin, Pastor Jonah, I'm just trying to figure out what God's will is. Awesome. Here's the question we're going to ask in return. Awesome. What are you doing right now while you wait? If you're waiting for God's will and God's grand plan and you believe that God has something for you and he's going to reveal it down the road, that's awesome. I hope he does. I hope you become the next big thing in Christianity and you lead the world to salvation. And because of you and your ministry, Jesus says there's no more lost people. I'm coming back. Like what? However that looks for you in your future, here's the question you've got to answer. What are you doing right now while you wait for God to reveal that to you? What does that look like? Are you continuing to work while you wait? Or are you stuck in neutral, just waiting for the day when God's going to finally speak? I think it's really hard to follow God in neutral. God is always moving and always at work, and we can't follow him if we're standing still. So we don't have a, a very extensive record of, of Jonathan's life. We, 
we get glimpses of him. I'm hearing there that this this you know this account about him and <clears throat> and his dad Saul, and later we'll see that Jonathan, a friend of David, and some of the some of the exploits that, that Jonathan and David get into, and that's a really cool relationship. But here's what I believe to be true about this specific account in Scripture. I don't think this was the first time that Jonathan trusted God in this way. I don't think you start with, let's go attack a military garrison. I don't think that's where like, the, the faith process begins. I think that what we see in Jonathan in this account is the, is the, the culmination of a life lived in responding to God's faithfulness and doing the things that God calls you to and deciding to trust God. I just can't believe that the decision he made here was the first time that Jonathan went until he got a no instead of waiting for a yes. It's the measure of trust in God that Jonathan had that would lead him to a great victory. And I know we've been kind of lingering in this story for the last several weeks, and we've been reading you know, some of the same verses almost every week. I just, I just don't want us to move past it. And we're going to get into the big victory, and that's coming next week and the week after that. But here's what I want us to get before, before we get to, to, the, to the end of the, the, the story and the end of the account. I, I want us to, to recognize and realize this as believers, that a, a yes to Jesus. When, when we say yes to Jesus, when we begin this relationship with Jesus, that that is the, the first yes in a lifetime of yeses. Jesus told us that we were, to, that we were going to pick up our cross daily. That carrying our cross is a daily venture. And we don't have to get hung up on the, the carry the cross mentality. Just know that, that when you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, that that same yes gets repeated day after day after day. It's continuously and every single day living your life with this, I'm going to continue to go and do the very things that I know God wants me to do until I find that thing that God, until God says to stop, I'm just going to keep doing the things that I know God wants me to do. Did you know that there are some things you don't have to pray about? Did you know that? This was a revelation for me a bunch of years ago. Uh, I mean, again, we should, we should pray about everything. But there are some decisions that you can make. There are some things that you can do. There are some, some things you should be doing that you don't have to pray about. There are opportunities for us every single day to be the church, to be the kingdom in the here and now that we don't have to pray about. God, do you want me to love my wife well today? You don't have to pray about that. You can just do it. God, do you want me to be a generous, compassionate, kind person? You don't have to pray about that. God, do you want me to share your story of goodness with that guy over there? You don't have to pray about that. There are things that we can be doing in the here and now. If we, even if we believe that we're waiting on God to reveal something later, there are still things we can be doing right now and should be doing every single day because the commitment to say yes to Jesus is a daily commitment. It's an everyday kind of thing. And that's the kind of mentality that Jonathan had. That's what caused Jonathan to make this decision to run into danger when everybody else was hiding in a cave. It's, it's the thing that makes heroes heroes. Think about the people who run into dangerous situations when everybody else is running away. Let me give you a few. Military, 
Military runs toward explosions when everybody else is running away from explosions. Police officers, firefighters, EMT, running towards danger, towards bullets, towards fires when everybody else is trying to get out of harm's way. These are the men and women that run into it. What makes them do that? It's the calling that they have on their life, isn't it? Those are the stories that we tell people about. Nobody tells hero stories about the person who hid when everybody else was hiding. Anybody ever read that book? Here's the story of John who hid when everybody else was hiding. Man, what a hero John was. Hey, John, tell us your story. Well, I was scared, and so I hid. The end. Where would you like me to autograph your book? right? You don't hear those stories. Why? Because they're not inspiring. They they don't motivate us. They don't change us. But what are the stories that do? It's a story of the men and women who risked their life for the betterment of something else, whether it be someone else's life for the good of their country for the safety of their nation, they invested themselves. They, they laid their life on the line for something greater than themselves. Where does Jonathan fit in that model? Jonathan, looking and clinging to the promise of God that victory would be theirs, decided to run into danger when everybody else was hiding in a cave. That is the life of a believer. That is the life of someone who truly believes that God can and will provide and protect and care for those that he commissions and calls. As much respect as I have for all of our emergency personnel, police officers and firefighters and EMT and paramedics and doctors, and as much respect and love as I have for all of them and the services they provide, how much greater is the call in the life of the believer to put your life your comfort, your safety on the line for the good of the biggest thing, for the betterment of the biggest thing that we could ever be part of, which is the kingdom of God. Listen to me. The call on the life of the believer is not to be a survivor. We are not survivors That's not what God wants for you, to live the life as a somebody who just made it through. Somebody who held on to the end and and had the resolve to stick it out to the very end. That's That's not what God wants for you. We're not called to be survivors. We're called to be conquerors. We're called to be victorious. We're called to be the people who advance God's kingdom in the in the face of adversity. And the dark forces and the evil that's in our world, that's, that's our call, to be victorious over that. One of my favorite chapters, chapters in, in, in the whole Bible is, is Romans chapter 8. Paul writing to the church at Rome, and he hasn't got there to see them yet, so he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to just spur them on to this motivation to, to, to live life with a spirit of boldness and victory. And, and let's just go take the next heel for God's kingdom. He's, he's trying to, to inspire this in the people that he's writing to. And so Paul writes this near the end of, 
uh, Romans chapter 8. And I just hope maybe this will be our battle cry today. Maybe this is what, maybe like just get us all jacked up on Jesus and go out and conquer the world for the kingdom. Like maybe this, maybe this will resonate with you the same way that it resonates with me as I read it. So let's look at this together. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against this? He who did not spare his own son. Look at this. We're not called to be survivors. Jesus wasn't a survivor. He gave his life, lost his life, laid down his life for the good of the kingdom. He wasn't a survivor. He was a conqueror. God raised him, but only after he was willing to give it. It's not a survivor mentality. It's a risk it all mentality if we're trying to be like Christ. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us. That's a whole other sermon that you should get excited about. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he gives us a list of things that shouldn't. Look at this. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, any of these things, as it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Good morning and welcome to Fusion City Church. We want to make you feel good and give you hope for tomorrow. You are a sheep to be slaughtered. No. None of those things, Paul says. No. None of those things should keep us from being encouraged. Why? Here's why. Because in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church should say amen. I'm not even preaching. I'm I'm just reading the Bible. That's... I didn't say that. Paul said that a couple thousand years ago about how you and I should approach our life as a believer. And we don't have to be scared of tribulation or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger. Not even death. For we're called to be like sheep who are led away to the slaughter. We're not survivors. We're sacrificers. But it's the very willingness to sacrifice that gives us the hope to trust in Christ for anything. Life, death, powers, things that we can see, things we can't see. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. We should have a boldness to get out of neutral. To start moving forward even while we wait. Even if we don't know what God is calling us to do, we can do something. If we can trust God to give us a red light, shouldn't we also trust him to give us the green? I would argue that 
Let's live in the green and wait for the red. Let's trust God for a red light. Let's go until we get a no. Instead of stressing for a yes. So as I've done the last couple weeks, here's what I want to do. I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Some things to challenge you. Questions that you need to answer. Be your own preacher. Hear this for yourself and answer in your own mind. Are you, are you, leaning, are you leaning forward or backward? Think about that. On your heels is, is already falling back. Leaning away from danger or trouble or confrontation. But, but think about someone who's, who's ready to charge or ready to attack or ready to run a race. They're, they're on the balls of their feet. Like, I can't even get on the balls of my feet without leaning forward. I'm about to fall off the stage. Which way are you leaning? Are you ready to attack the next challenge that God lays out for you? Are you living your life in the spirit of go? Or are you living in your life in a posture of repeat, of retreat, sorry? Are you living your life in a posture of retreat, of surrender, of wait, of stop, of no? Is your life marked by an attitude of go? Jesus in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He's the first, first part of that. Jesus says, all authority given to me under heaven and on earth. And so, and so here's the command. Here's, here's the challenge. Next word. Go. Go. Go, therefore. And make disciples go and teach them everything that I've commanded you. Go and baptize. Go and minister. Go and share. Go and teach. We're called as believers to go. My goal for today, I just want to get us out of neutral. Now, I don't know where you are, what your personal walk is, or maybe you are full speed ahead every day, all day. But, if man, if you're not... Can we just let the words of Paul kind of resonate with us? All the things that we don't have to fear and all the reasons that we shouldn't. You know, waiting. Retreat. Neutral. Those things are, they're normal. They're average. They're, they're even expected. I said earlier, I believe that there's a propensity within the church right now. That that, that is our posture as the church globally. We're, we're, a lot of us and a lot of churches are in a posture of wait and see. Maybe God will. If we just stay right here, we'll see what God wants to do next. But would you imagine with me for just a moment? Just think about it. Go, go there in your head, like mental picture. What it would look like for even one church. Why not us? For just one church to latch their hands and arms around this idea that we're just going to go. And we might make some mistakes and we might even get ahead of ourselves. We might even get a little bit ahead of God from time to time. But let's just go and we'll keep pushing and we'll keep challenging and we'll keep changing and we'll keep ministering and we'll keep giving and we'll keep being compassionate and we'll keep doing all these. We'll just keep going and going and going and then we'll listen and maybe one day God will say, whoa, that's enough. Like stop right there. 
But until then, let's just go. Let's do something. Let's be active instead of passive. Let's go instead of wait. Let's charge instead of retreat. Now, I don't know what that looks like in your life individually, but I know what it looks like for our church. I can see it. I hope that you can too. Because me and Pastor Jonah and Pastor Quentin, I mean, the three of us can run headlong into whatever we believe God's calling us to. Maybe God wants us to take on the lostness of the city of Kannapolis, just the three of us. We'd really like to have you with us. You can't do that in neutral. We're getting out of neutral. We're dang sure getting out of reverse. If there's any posture of that in our church at all. We're moving forward. We want you with us. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I hope that this message comes as a, as a challenge to, to everybody else. The same way, God, that it came as a challenge to me this week. Even as I, I read and prepared and, and looked at your word, God, I found these these the spirit of, of timidity in my life. So God, I hope that in the same way I've been challenged this week, that God, even now, you be, are beginning to challenge each of us. That in, instead of living our life from a perspective of wait and see, maybe God will. I'll stay right here until. I'm just trying to be patient. That, God, we will begin to live our life from a place of boldness, God. Of courage. Of challenge. That we'll run headstrong into everything that we believe you're calling us to. And maybe even some of the things that we don't know you're calling us to. But, God, we're just going to keep going. And we're going to go. And we're going to go. And we're going to go. And we're going to wait. And we're going to listen. And we're going to try and hear you tell us to stop. But until we hear what it is that you want us to do, until you tell us to turn right or to turn left, God, we're going to go forward. Because we just know that living a life like that is so much better than staying stuck in neutral or reverse. So, God, today... It's my commitment. I pray that it's the commitment of every one of us here. God, I'm no longer going to see your will as a red light. I'm going to see it as green. God, I'm going to go. If you need me to stop, if you need me to change, if you need me to turn, God, you tell me. But otherwise, God, I'm going to go. God, I pray that you'd make that the prayer for every heart this morning. That our lives will forever be characterized by people who are willing to take the next step even when they didn't know where it led because God I believe that that is what's going to change us from the inside out that that God is what's going to change this community we're going to trust you because we know that you are with us that you are faithful that you carry and hold us God so because we have you at our back God will run full force into tomorrow and the day after that the weeks and the years after that God we love you we thank you for how you challenge and encourage God would you do it now challenge us encourage us and push us God into the next thing you have for us and we'll do our best to listen as carefully as we can to stay in step with you Father we love you and we thank you for the hope that we have through your son Jesus it's in his name I pray 
Amen.